friend Bruce McCurdy from the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. How are you, sir? I'm all right. You know, uh, Watcher of the Skies is actually my theme song. <laughs> and I've, I've, my comparison of, uh, of Genesis is to the 80s Oilers. When Peter Gabriel left, it was like losing Wayne Gretzky. And when Steve Hackett okay. left, it was like losing Yari Curry. And all of a sudden, the uh, winning mojo was gone, you know? I I do know that you like. Is that your fa- <laughs> is that like your favorite band? <laughs> well, it certainly was in my uh, formative years, and uh, still I still love them today. And uh, Peter Gabriel remains my musical hero. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic, no doubt about that. All right, Mister McCurdy, thoughts on mm-hmm. last night's game? I thought it was a heck of a game, Alan. No, it was real hard fought. Uh, uh, you know, two one game, and it was just came down to to uh, a couple of plays here and there, right? Oilers couldn't solve Aiden Hill, and uh, and uh, Vegas was able to find a way to squeeze a couple pucks past uh, Stu Skinner, uh, who I thought played well. I honestly thought most of the players on both teams played pretty well, considering they hadn't played for a week. First period, a little tentative, and then it just... Uh, you know, didn't go Oilers' way in the end, but uh, it wasn't like they got blown out of the building or anything. In fact, by many measures, they were the uh, somewhat superior team. I feel that, that it's, once again, though, a preview of the playoffs, and mm-hmm. I'll give Vegas Golden Knights absolute credit. They yeah. are a very good team, and they block lanes, and they anticipate well, and they listen to the scouting reports and can intercept passes that are telegraphed, and... They also have, like the Philadelphia Flyers at the Spectrum, however many years ago, 45 years ago or 50, they are really good at taking penalties but not getting called on the penalties. And that makes it rough mm-hmm. and tough. And I think that once, and I think the Oilers can beat Vegas, don't get me wrong, but I think that they better pack a lunch because this is going to be a hell of a series and whoever gets out of it is going to feel like they've really won something. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, Oilers got three quarters of one power play last night. And, uh, they, you know, they rang one off the post. They had three shots on net. They had puck on a string. So that power play got cut short by a call. And then that was it for the night, no more. And the way Edmonton's special teams are going, a a night where the refs pocket their whistles, uh, doesn't really work to their advantage. Like, I'd rather see a game where both teams got four power plays than one because uh, Oilers PK is on a real roll and uh, so was the power play. So anyway, last night turned out to be a five-on-five slugfest for the most part. And they're good at five-on-five, but Vegas is as well. Um, uh-huh. the, the officiating, I, there, was, there, were, there was a couple of calls, one specifically against McDavid that I think you do have to call. Um, yeah. I, I remember the Winnipeg series. It sticks with me. I don't know why. But, it, it, you know, the the... The NHL does a terrible job of looking after, or or at least mm-hmm. calling it straight up among the superstars. And and McDavid's reaction is he's just as filthy as they are now. And I get that yeah. and I understand it. But <laughs> hang it all, Bruce. I'd like them to call the rule book. Yeah, well, Drysaddle took a high stick that was a heck of a lot heavier than the one they did call on what's a Fogel on March or so early in the game. Yes. Uh, but, I mean, you can split hairs on all that stuff. I mean, it's an uh, exact science refereeing, to, to uh, say the least, and you just got to roll with it. And uh, uh, this was one time where it didn't work out. It's hard It's hard to 
you know, I don't want to fall into the trap that I'm reading too much on the, uh, on the uh, Oilers' Twitter about, you know, how one loss is a disaster. Hell, you know, they've won 24 and lost four <laughs> since the uh, U.S. Thanksgiving. I think that's pretty good, Alan. Yeah, it is. And I think that, that <laughs> I, I my blog is the same way. People are, are, are you know, well, they, you know, they, they're soft. And I'm like, I don't see that. I think they're, I think the Oilers are, are some, at the top end are positively filthy now. They've been trained by the NHL. Uh, what do you think of... I'm pretty excited about it, but I want your opinion of McLeod with Holloway and Corey Perry. Loved it. I uh, liked it in the first game last night. I was I was really impressed. Uh, uh, so much speed on that line, and then the sort of the counterweight, if you will, of Corey Perry, uh, who uses his smarts to get around uh, the ice. He gets the good spots, and then he gets the puck to good spots. And he's, you know, he's he's good right in tight to the net, but also along the boards. Uh, one play I noticed that I really liked was one time when there was a bit of chaos in the Oilers' defensive zone. The puck came out to him, and he didn't even make a play on the puck, but he just positioned his body to protect it so that nothing wrong could happen while the guys behind him were sort of regaining their their positions. Just strong, uh, strong puck, puck protection, totally appropriate. And then he did get it and clear the zone, but his his first instinct was to get his body in the best place to to uh, uh, make sure nothing bad happened and so far so good with him in you know two games and uh, the younger guys uh, I mean Holloway and uh, McLeod had the puck on the string a couple of times and at speed and that speed is what's going to make them hard to stop so it's uh, it's very promising, and as a third line, I'm uh, very hopeful. Are you at a point now where, like, a lot of observers of the Oilers are suggesting that the the team keep its powder dry? Holloway not going to be traded. I talked to Daniel Nugent Bowman yesterday, and he didn't get a feel of that it was possible at all. Broberg, a little different situation. He has requested a yep. trade. First round picks likely to go. Are you of the opinion that that? Uh, if they do trade Broberg in the first round pick, does it? Is there a specific? Is it? Is there a number one target in terms of position you'd like to see them address, or is it just best player? Well, best player. I, I saw one trade option this morning that had them trading Broberg, Borgo, the first, the second, and the fifth. I think it was. That's probably all I got left this year for Gensel, who's an expiring contract. And I'm thinking, oh, I like Gensel. Boy, oh boy, that's a three equivalent first rounders yeah. for a guy in an expiring contract is uh, is uh, uh, hard to swallow. Uh, but there's there's room for a top six sniper, and there is room uh, under the right circumstances for a uh, um, uh, top four defender. Um, take the better available and and i mean the whole idea now is to uh is to pound those phone lines and uh fax machines <laughs> and find out who's, <laughs> who's available out there uh, uh that, you know that that might fit the uh the order's need i mean last year obviously the uh the big find was uh matthias Eckholm. Uh, who, you know, they gave a heavy price for him, but they got a player with term who's still solving problems for this team. And ideally, you uh, get something like that. On the other hand, they also checked a lot of boxes when they picked up uh, Nick Butestad last year, 
And he helps uh, until they decided he was the top six who should go up against Jack Eichel. That didn't end so well, but uh, 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 his problem was that he was on an expiring cheap contract and they wound up paying the price of a, you know, a good future player for him. So that's, you know, that's the gambles that, uh, that you have to take. Okay, Bruce McCurdy, our guest from the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. I sometimes do with you this with you because after reading all of the, the comments about the goals against, I, I my mind gets numb. So I want to go through them, mm-hmm. if I may, with you. Uh, the first goal against, nobody had boxed out the goal scorer. Uh, Skinner stopped the puck. A split second is what I think he would have needed to, to, to freeze the puck or secure it. Didn't get it. Mm-hmm. There was no mm-hmm. box out. Is that the goalie's mm-hmm. fault or the box out not happening? Uh, well, I'm going to give some credit to the goal scorer here. You know, a guy on the other team, um, Nicholas Roy, and what he did was very crafty. As the puck came out to the point for the point shot, he, uh, if it was football, we'd call it pushing off. He just sort of gave uh, uh, Matthias Ekholm, who was trying to front the shot, uh, just a little jab, uh, cross-check in the ribs, you know, nothing a refs would call. And that did two things. It pushed Ekholm right into the shooting lane and it blocked Skinner's view of the shot that I, I think if he'd seen it clean, there would have been no rebound. And secondly, it created just enough separation between Ekholm and Roy that Roy was the one who was able to pounce on that rebound and stuff at home before Ekholm could get it. And I just thought that was a smart, crafty, veteran move uh, by Roy and credit where due. Because the orders have played it differently sure there was a couple things they could have cleaned up on that play but these were relatively tiny mistakes and uh sometimes that's all it takes against crafty veterans so now i know for sure that nicholas waugh would have been a sam pollock montreal canadian back in the day because that's the kind of <laughs> thing they did all the time to my bruins and then the second one i thought cc kind of slid through the shooting maybe i'm wrong yeah. but uh, he offered a screen instead of a block option right yeah, yeah, he uh, nurse looked like Nurse had played it perfectly and uh, and uh, boxed the guy out, but the puck kind of went to the wall and and uh, the guy um, the the first player in was able to chip it along the wall and CC got beat behind the net and then as the puck came out, uh, Fogel collapsed. I thought too low and kind of left the danger man who wound up being the goal scorer. And as CC popped out in front, I just I'm not sure if he just not had a full sense of where the shooting lane, because as I say, it was almost like he glided right through it. And uh, and Skinner followed him and left this little crack on the short side, and bam, great shot right in under the crossbar. And, you know, I thought there was like, again, it was a play with small, um, almost minuscule mistakes by several players, but when you have multiple mistakes, you have trouble. Yeah, for sure. Um I like what you said at the beginning where it was a well-played game and, you know, there's no need to panic. Now, you have you have Anaheim. Do you have in your heart, I know you have a big heart, I know this about you, do you have anything in your heart in terms of feeling a little bad for the Anaheim Ducks because I think they're going to get an angry Oilers team? Uh, no, I don't feel bad for the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> I haven't for a long time. So. Either they're too, you don't need to feel bad for them because they're winning the darn game or they're getting what they've deserved for years. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the L.A. Kings? Surely you have well, a moment for Todd McClellan. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I would if he was still there, but he's not. So uh, anyways, yeah, the, the my concern at this point is the Oilers need to do something they haven't done yet this season. 
and that is stop a losing streak at one game, right? They lost two in a row to start the season. They had two four-game losing streaks that, that bookended the one game at the Heritage Classic that they won. Uh, and then they had two more three-game losing streaks since Knobloch took over. And, of course, they've had some good winning streaks, some very good winning streaks, but I would like to see them, um, you know, just grab control and win this very next game. Because one thing about the playoffs, there's not much room in there for losing streaks, right? You can lose games. You just don't want to lose them in bunches. And so this is, that's one area where this team has to has to show that, you know, when they have a letdown, it doesn't last for a week. It's one night, oh, we lost, let's go out and get the next one and, and attend to business. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, Bruce, uh, are you, are you going to watch the Super Bowl? Oh yeah, yeah. Do you have a? Tr- yeah, I've watched you- every Super Bowl since Super Bowl One. Alan Max McGee MVP for the Green Bay Packers. So uh, now, is this becoming a trend for you? Can we assume you're going to be watching all the Super Bowls now that you've watched a few? <laughs> now what are we up to now, Alex? I I or something? Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I'll probably. Uh, for a few years there, I wasn't watching NFL at all, but I still watch just the Super Bowl to keep my sort of lifetime string intact. But uh, I'm back to sort of watching a little bit here and there, and then the playoffs and now. But uh, yeah, I'll be uh, uh, for the foreseeable probably watching the big game when it comes. So are you are you uh, on the Chiefs bandwagon, or are you going NFC? Oh yeah, uh, honestly, uh, I just want a good game. I just I don't have a real serious rooting interest. My Steelers are long out, and uh, you know it's. It's uh, um, all teams have things to like and dislike, and uh, it's just I, I just want it to be a you know a good game that's interesting into the fourth quarter. Well, I just you know I hope Ronnie Lott doesn't hurt anybody. That's all I know. Is uh, you know <laughs> that man hits so hard, Bruce. It's thank the you, Scott sir. Scott Stevens of the NFL. <laughs> yeah, he, was. he was. Thanks, Bruce. Be good.